morning again. I'm excited uh, for today's message. Um, we are continuing in 2 Corinthians. And uh, if you weren't here last week or if you've kind of been on vacation, you haven't, you know, you missed last week or whatever the reason, Pastor Sam finished up uh, chapter 7 and really talked about the difference between worldly grief and godly grief and how godly grief leads into and brings us into a heart of repentance. And Paul in chapter seven, at the end of chapter seven, he was commending the Corinthians uh, that though his former letter, 1 Corinthians, grieved them, because it was a hard hard letter, Paul talked about some hard things, it brought them to a place of repentance. And Paul is commending them for that repentance. And today we're gonna be going into chapter eight. um, And it's going to seem as though Paul is gonna make a shift in the conversation but he's actually still on the thread of commending the Corinthians. It's actually still, uh, Paul is still trying to encourage the Corinthians to continue to do the things that they're doing. Um, It's just gonna be on a different topic. And the topic that he's gonna move into is a topic of giving and what that looks like and how the Corinthians are to give um, and partake in this this beautiful thing that we're gonna see, um, some beautiful principles that Paul lays out for them and what this means. Uh, this this biblical idea of giving. Um, So let me pray, and then we will get into our text today. Lord, thank you uh, just just for your grace. I thank you, Jesus, that we can come to your word, we can um, learn from your spirit, and I just pray, Jesus, you would be Uh, here with us and very evident in the the teaching and that you would soften our hearts to some of these principles that Paul lays out in this this text. I just pray, Jesus, that that you would encourage us and challenge us uh, just with this idea of biblical giving and what that looks like and how we're called to it. Um, And so we just pray for humility, Lord. Keep us humble as we approach your word. Help us to learn from you, as Mary did at your feet. And so we thank you, we give you the message, and we give you this time together. And we say this in your mighty name. Amen. So, um, chapter eight, chapters 8 and 9 actually go together. Um, it, it's one stream of thought. But today we're going to be focusing particularly on 15 verses in chapter 8. So we're going to be in verses 1 through 15. So if you are willing and you want to, you can stand as we read God's word. Um, You can also sit if you would like, whatever is most comfortable for you. But we are going to be reading 15 verses, and so if you don't like standing that long, I recommend you sit. (laughs) All right, so, and I'm reading from the ESV version. Uh, If you're using a Bible from the seat, it's going to maybe sound a little bit different, but same message. Chapter 8, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers... And sisters, that the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in wealth of generosity of their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means, of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints." And this, not as we expected, 
but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urged Titus that as he had started, he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. And in this matter I give my judgment. This benefits you, who a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it as well, so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing of it out of what you have. For if your readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what they do not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you be burdened, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need so that their abundance may supply your need and that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. Thank you guys, you can be seated. So 15 verses that are packed with beautiful principles on this idea of biblical giving. And so before we get into the principles, I first want to, I think it would be beneficial for us to uh, talk about why Paul is even bringing this up in the first place. Why is Paul bringing this up in his letter? Obviously, this is important to Paul. He's, he's mentioning this, and it must be like something very important that Paul is taking the time to include it in a letter that's going to be recycled among the church and read out loud and read just like as we just read it. And so we first need to understand what is this, what is this relief of the saints that he's talking about? What is this, this thing that the Macedonian churches, they were giving to even in their poverty? So in Paul's day, and even before, like, the Corinthian church had started, uh, Paul and a couple of his uh, like co-workers had started this thing in Greece. So the Macedonian area was the southern part of Greece, and then Acacia was the northern part of Greece. Uh, Paul planted churches all around. So in Acacia, there were churches like Galatia and Philippi and, uh, and other churches like that. In the Macedonian area, there was like Thessalonica and uh, other other letters that we see in the Bible where churches or where Paul is writing to different churches that he had planted. And Paul and his his co-workers kind of made this effort to create this thing they're calling the collection, which was a financial provision for suffering and persecuted Christians in Jerusalem. So in Jerusalem, you got to remember at this time, Rome is the ruler. Rome is the world power. Rome is devastating through everything. So Jerusalem is being ruled by Rome. The Christians are being persecuted in, in Jerusalem. And it's not an easy life there. It, it's really not an easy life. And so Paul is encouraging all the churches in Greece and in the, the Gentile areas to, to give towards this collection 
so that he can give it to the suffering Christians. So I, wanna, I want us to look at Romans chapter 15 um, because Paul makes a mention of, of this collection. Romans chapter 15, starting at verse 26, he says this, For Macedonia and Acacia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in the spiritual blessings, they ought to also be of service to them in the material blessings. When therefore I have completed this, and have delivered it to them, uh, delivered to them what I have collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. So Paul is, Paul is telling the Romans uh, in the church in Rome, hey, there's this collection, and people are giving to it for the suffering Christians, um, and they were pleased to do it because they understand that these Jewish Christians, through the Jewish people, they understand that it is through them that they came to a knowledge of the true God. And so it pleased them to donate into this, this collection because they are benefiting from the spiritual blessings that have come through the Israel people. And so Paul makes mention of it to the Romans. And Paul, in bringing up the topic to the Corinthians, his desire is for them to complete and finish doing what they had already started to do uh, years ago about a year ago. He mentions in verse 10, he says, a year ago, you kind of desired to do this, and you even were one of the first churches to start doing this and, and giving it into the collection. And he mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 through 4, about how they are to then start giving into the collection. He starts to mention to them, this is how you start to do this. Because in a former letter that we don't have, they had brought it up to Paul. They had said, hey, how do we start giving in this collection? And so Paul is writing to them and telling them how to do it. So Paul's desire in bringing up this topic was to encourage the Corinthians to finish the task of giving to this collection for the needy churches. This is important. You have a desire to do this. Finish it. Finish it well. And I think for us, um, we're going to get into the principles of like the biblical giving, and it's going to be really, really fun and really good. But I think a pause here to make a mention of how the early church saw this idea of giving. Because I think in our Western context, we live in a culture where it's, it's like a huddle of like, let me get everything I can and just keep it to myself. And I need to get everything I can, whatever I have in myself, I'm keeping it to myself, I'm doing it for my benefit, right? In the early church, they didn't see uh, they didn't see this idea of giving as like a, a burden. Like as, as frequent and as important as we see like singing worship, that's how they saw giving. That's how they saw caring for each other and providing for each other's needs. I mean, listen to how Luke describes this in chapter two of Acts. In verse 42, he says, they, being the first Christians in the early church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer, very consistent things that we do often. Everyone was filled with awe at so many of the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of the Lord's people. Those were very consistent things, the breaking of bread, going to the temple, gathering together, and then giving for the the needs of the people. In chapter 4, Luke goes on and says, All the believers were of one heart and one mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify of the resurrection of Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. That's crazy to think about. Like, imagine that there was not a single needy person in church. For from time to time, so this wasn't a super consistent thing that he's about to say, from time to time, those who owned lands and houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So, early church saw a benefit in giving. They saw themselves as a connected unit. They didn't see themselves as a separate, like, because they, they would gather. It was, it was not like big churches like this. It was house churches. So they would gather in each other's houses. And, and I mean, you got 3,000 people. They're not all fitting in one house. These were small houses. So they had like a whole network of houses, yet they didn't see themselves as singular, individualistic, separated beings or entities. They saw themselves connected as one body. And so if one part of the body was needy, all of the part of the body was needy. And so by giving and providing for that need, they're providing for the rest of the body. Does that make sense? Paul mentions this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where he talks about this to the Corinthians and reminds them, you are the body of Christ and each of you are a member of it. And he, in there, is talking about gifts and, and things of that matter, but it's the same principle, same concept. We are one body, we are one unit with other believers across the city, across the state, across the nation, even across the country. We are connected through Christ. And so... Paul is encouraging them, hey, carry each other's burden. Like, you, you desire to do this, and this is why it's important. And so how does Paul encourage them to finish this task? Because I find it very interesting that he, like, when we read Paul, a lot of his letters, he can sound very intense sometimes. I mean, Paul is a little bit of an intense guy, right? And sometimes he just, he says things without beating around the bush. He just says it, right? Uh, But here is a glimpse into Paul's pastoral heart. He loves the Corinthians. He planted this church. He fathered them. He sees them as spiritual sons and daughters, and he wants the best for them. And so here you get a glimpse into, like, Paul's care, spiritual care for this beautiful church that had really gone off the deep end and repented and is now making its way back into right standing and right living. So how does Paul go about this? How does he, how does he do this? He starts off by um, illustrating, I don't wanna say the word compare, but he's, he illustrates uh, the importance of giving and the importance of this collection by mentioning the Macedonian churches and how they are giving out of their poverty. 
So we're going to read 8 verses 1 through 5 again. He says, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. What is this grace? For in severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as expected, but they gave of themselves, themselves first to the Lord and then by God's grace to us. And so he's, he's commending these, these Macedonians. He's commending them. He's saying, listen, these guys are in extreme poverty. They're, they're experiencing severe persecution as well, and yet they're giving as well. Now, before we go into some other stuff, uh, we have to recognize a temptation when reading something like that or when reading about the early church in Acts, where they're like giving all their possessions and selling their houses and, and doing all of these, what we see as wild things. There's a temptation to look at that and compare your giving and the way that you give to that in a bad sense. So in the sense of what I'm saying is like, there's a, there's a tension that sometimes when we read these texts like this and, and we see this, we feel a tension of like, am I supposed to give away my house? Or am I supposed to take care of a house and, <laughs> and like provide for my family and have shelter? Like, am I supposed to do what these early Christians were doing by selling everything and choosing to, to, to give instead of providing food for my family or, or whatever the case? What do I do? And sometimes we could feel a pull or a tension and think, oh my gosh, like, there's no way. There's no way I can do that. I don't understand that. We have to understand Paul was not even commanding the Corinthians to do this. He was exhorting them to. The Corinthians brought it up to Paul first and said, there's a collection we want to give to that. We have a desire and an earnestness to give to that. How do we do it? Paul gives them the way that they can do it. But as they started to grow and in their abundance, it seems like from the text that they kind of just stopped doing it. Um, some commentators say it was due to the false teachers that Paul speaks a lot against. Uh, some commentators think and, uh, and some scholars think that during the Corinthian church when those false teachers were very prominent, they were telling the Corinthians not to give to the collection and to instead give it to them and their ministry. And so Paul, after like, hammering home these false teachers and you know just letting it loose and saying don't go in these ways he's going back to something that they had promised a year ago that they would do he's saying finish that finish that task and so for us to like get rid of this temptation and believing like we are to do giving in this same way don't get me wrong there's principles that we must uh adhere to biblically but God is not calling us to sell all of our houses right now and give it to the churches in China, right? He's not. First, we need to understand that Paul didn't command the Corinthians, right? So we see this in 8 through 15. Paul makes it clear that it was the Corinthians who first gave the desire to give. So in 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 through 4, this is what he says. Now concerning the collection of the saints, 
as I directed the churches in Galatia, so you also are to do. And so he's mentioning a former thing that they had mentioned. Hey, concerning that thing you mentioned, here's how you do it. Secondly, Paul's desire was not that the Corinthian church would be burdened in their giving and that the churches in Jerusalem would be eased and have it easy from now on. That's not his, that's not his heart. His heart was not to burden the Corinthians. His heart was to encourage them to do something that they had promised to do. And, and actually, in comparison to the churches in Jerusalem, the Corinthian church, their giving would have been considered out of abundance. They didn't have a lot of money, but compared to the churches in Jerusalem, it was considered an abundance. And so the giving that he's desiring of the Corinthians is, hey, you have more, give from the more to help those who have less. And in their provision, they will then provide for you in the areas where you have less. And so it's a matter of fairness or equality, we'll talk about this later, um, that Paul is getting at here. Thirdly, Paul's heart was that the Corinthians would experience and partake in this grace of God of engaging in generous giving. And we're going to get more into this of how this is a grace that Paul was encouraging them to partake in. A grace. And I believe that the spiritual principles that are around Paul saying and encouraging the Corinthians, I think these are the principles that benefit us as we consider our giving. So if we're not to sell our houses and do things like that, what should fuel our giving? How should we give? What should it look like? Should it look like humanitarian giving? Should it look like the giving of the secular world? Or does it look different? Should it look different? And so there are three principles that we see just in this, this passage. And, and again, eight and nine go together. So there are other principles in nine that we're not going to get into, but they go together hand in hand. But in one through 15, there are three principles that I think are important for us to consider. Number one, and this is gonna seem very obvious if you've been going to church for a while, but number one, quality matters more to God than quantity. And, and just to reiterate, this isn't just about your money. This is about your gifts. This is about your time. This is about your effort and your labors. This is about anything that you give of yourself or what you have towards that of the mission of Christ, anything that you give. Quality matters more to God than quantity. How can we say this? What is Paul commending the Macedonian churches for doing? Is he commending them because they gave a certain amount to the collection? No. He says, look at how they gave. Look at their heart posture as they gave, considering their circumstance. This is what he says. He says, they gave according to their means, and they gave abundantly above their means. So which one is it? Like, did they give according to their means, or did they give beyond their means? Paul would say both. They did both. So according to their means, meaning they did not give an unrealistic amount of money given their circumstance. And this goes back to what God is kind of expecting us in our giving. God is not asking us to give an unreasonable amount of whatever it is, time, money, 
labor, whatever it is. Like God is not calling us to burn ourselves out into the, into the ground, right? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, give according to your means in the sense of recognize your situation and give according to it. The Macedonian churches were in poverty, meaning the number that they gave, like the number amount that they gave into the collection was probably not a lot. It was probably very, very small of an amount. Yet, at the same time, Paul can say that they gave beyond their means. They gave according to their means in the sense of a dollar amount and their situation, but they gave beyond their means in eagerness and willingness to give in a situation where scarcity was the temptation, where the temptation was to keep and to store up as much as we can in this time of poverty. And I don't know where all of you guys like grew up and stuff like that, but maybe there's some experience of poverty in here. Maybe you guys experienced poverty growing up or whatever. I know I did. Like living in Cleveland, I didn't have a lot. My mom didn't have a lot. It was ramen noodles on the table four nights a week. So we made it really, really cool and spiced it up in whatever way we can, right? And so like many of us have that experience of not having a lot growing up. The Bible isn't telling people who do not have a lot to give things that they do not have. He's saying in accordance to your means, but beyond your means and eagerness and willingness, do not allow your circumstance to dictate if you are going to partake in giving or not. The Macedonian churches were poor, yet they had an eagerness to give to the collection towards needy saints while they themselves were just as needy. They were just as needy as the, the saints in Jerusalem. They weren't in a better place. They were like in the same boat, just in a different area. Yet, they were eager to help those in need. Why? Because they saw themselves connected to the body. I see your need, and that hurts me as a member of the body of, the Christ, of, of Christ, so I'm going to provide for your need, and it keeps the cycle going. And so, this was, this was just the understanding of the early church, and this is how they operated. Um, I think a great example of this, to really give a picture of giving according to your means, but also beyond your means, is uh, a, an account that Jesus has with his disciples at, a, at the temple in Mark chapter 12. So if you will, just turn there with me. We're going to read Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. To set things up here, Paul is with his disciples in the temple, and he is watching, I don't know why, but he is watching people give into the offering plate. So he's watching these Pharisees and these people give into, and the people like coming to the temple, he's watching them give. And he sees someone give something and he, he makes a point to mention it to his disciples. This is, what, this is what he says, he says, and he sat down opposite of the treasury and watched people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. So, so the amount here is a penny <laughs> compared to the rich sum of money, okay? A penny. 
And he called his disciples and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more money than all of who is contributing to the offering box. For they contributed out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty, and she gave everything she had to live on. She gave according to her means. Did she give $460 of that time? No. <laughs> she gave what she had. She had a penny, and so she gave a penny. But in Christ's eyes, this penny was worth more than the large sums of money from the Pharisees and from the other rich people because this cost her. This cost her something. If a poor person comes up to you, a homeless person comes up to you, and a rich person comes up to you, and they both give you $20, who gave you more money? Some people might say, well, they gave the same amount of money. It was $20. Jesus would say, no, the homeless person gave you more money because it cost him more. And so what Paul is getting at is not, hey, you should sell everything, Corinthians. You need to give away everything that you have. You need to... No, you need to give according to your means. Right now you have abundancy. But give beyond your means and your willingness to partake and give. Don't, don't let your circumstance of abundance stop you from having your heart in this thing. Don't let your desire to give to the collection and the, the reason for it stop you. Uh, don't, don't let that stop you from that desire that you have to provide the need for the other Christians. So that's the first principle is quality matters more than quantity. The second thing that Paul mentions actually three times in this text, so he's really trying to get us to understand this is a thing. Chapter, or verse one, verse six, verse seven, Paul mentions that giving any, of any sense is an act of grace. It is an act of grace for us to, in whatever giving that we're doing, if we're serving in any capacity in the church, if we're giving a meal to someone or if we're, providing groceries for someone who's in need or if we're giving money to someone who's in need. All of that is an act of grace. So what exactly does this mean? Obviously, Paul thinks that this is really, really important. And he even, he even goes on to use Jesus as an example for what it means to give as an act of grace. I'm going to read from Philippians um, because he gives the example in, chat, in, in verse 9 where he says, you know, in the, incarnation, in, in the incarnation, Jesus demonstrated his grace. You know, he was rich, he became poor, so that those who were poor in spirit would become rich through him. But I think Philippians chapter 2 really helps us understand what this cost Jesus. I mean, it cost him his life, but there's a huge... Uh, difference of what we see. So in Philippians chapter 2, 6 through 11 puts it this way. We just did a Bible study on this passage. So you are fully equipped to know what I'm going to talk about. Though he was in the form of God, Jesus was in the form of God as a human, did not count equality with God a thing to be used for his advantage, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so Paul mentions to the Corinthians and says, hey, 
I'm not commanding you to give to this collection, but I, I think this will be a benefit for you. Why? Because you are benefiting from the grace of Christ. You benefit from Christ. You have been saved from Christ. You have been, you, you benefit from Christ's action of becoming poor and making you spiritually rich. And so as you contribute to this collection, you show and reveal the genuineness of your love and the grace that you have received. It is, a, it is, a, it is putting steps to your love, action to your love, action to your grace. And that's why he calls it an act of grace. It's like, okay, we've received the grace, but now God calls us to extend the grace in these matters of giving, of our time, of our money, of our whatever he asks us to give, of, of each other, even our lives to each other. Like, he calls us to do that as believers who are one body. Your gifts, each and every one of you have a gift. If you tell me you do not have a gift, I will point to the scripture in 1 Corinthians 12 that says, you have a gift that is given from the Holy Spirit. And we are called to use the gift as a way of giving and extending God's grace and building up of the body of, of, of Christ. <sighs> you guys still with me? Okay. <laughs> so again, as believers, and we're going to read in Romans chapter 12, if you guys want to turn there, but as believers, each of us are called to be stewards. And the ESV doesn't say it this way, NIV does. Uh, we are called to be stewards of God's varied grace. So in Romans chapter 12, uh, if I could find it here, Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8, this is what he says. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, or God's varied grace, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who has mercy and acts in mercy with cheerfulness. Like, he's saying there are gifts that you have been given, and they're not just gifts of teaching or, you know, in 1 Corinthians 12 of healing and all these other things. He's saying, like, are you a merciful person? That's a gift of God. And by extending mercy, you are extending grace. Are you one who contributes? Give in generosity. That's what Paul says. They gave generously, right? All these gifts that God has given us, they're not just uh, financial things. He says hospitality. If you like people at your house, invite people to your house, right? He says invite them. Be, extend grace in that way. And by doing so, you are extending God's grace that you have received, and you are becoming a picture of God's love for that person. Does that make sense? So it's a lot deeper than just the matter of what you give to a person. Right? Like we could give or do something for someone and, and um, think that it just blows past their mind or something, but if, if, if in the body of Christ, when you give to each other, we are quite literally helping each other flourish as the body of Christ. We keep the body growing when we give of anything, our talent, everything. It keeps the body growing. So, quality over quantity, act of grace, 
is this giving. The third thing, and I think this is actually one of the things that, as I was looking at this, I think it's something that we can miss. I think it's something that we can miss the benefit of. But giving produces a quality in the body of Christ. Now let me, let me, let me clarify this. Paul is not saying that everyone should be and have the same stuff. He's not saying that everyone should have the same, or even when we read those verses of like, they had everything in common in Acts chapter two and they shared everything. Like this wasn't a, like this wasn't some type of socialist or communist thing. This was, this was literally them sharing life together, doing life together. And they had their own separate things, but they shared these things together as a body. Um, and it created equality in the body of Christ. So to demonstrate this point, Paul goes back to the Old Testament in a passage that I think is very fascinating. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, what's going on in Exodus? The people are in the wilderness. The Israelites are in the wilderness. They've been delivered. Moses has helped deliver them uh, from the hand of Egypt. They have uh, been released from slavery and saved from slavery. And now God has led them into a wilderness. <laughs> and the people are complaining to Moses and being like, dude, like we had steak back there. And even though we were slaves, we had steak and we had meat. We don't have anything like we're going to die. You just led us into the wilderness to die. And so Moses prays and he says, Lord, can you please send something for the people to eat? Well, God does send them something. He doesn't send them steak, but he sends them something much better. And we're going to read about it. Verse 13, in the evening, quail came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, the dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flaky-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. Does that sound very, like, filling? Like, imagine eating snow and being like, okay, I got my day's worth of food now. Like, that's what he literally says, like, frost. On the, on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, what is that? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord commanded. Gather it, each one of you, as much as you can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more and some less, right? They gathered some more, some less, but when they measured it with the omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left, and whoever gathered little had no lack. So what is going on here? What is, what is God doing? And he says, gather as much as you want. Take as many frosty, flaky things as you want, as much as you think will fill you up. Some grab, like, dude, I'm going to need a lot of these frosty, flaky things, like, for real. Other people, maybe I'll leave some for other people. I don't know how much of this we're going to have. Like, maybe I'll just take a little bit for my family. We'll do that. So you got some more, some less. What does God do in their decisions? He makes everything equal. Whoever gathered more didn't have anything left. Whoever gathered less 
was completely satisfied in what they got. And so what God did is he equaled everything out where there wouldn't be this whole like supply and demand of frosty flaky things, right? It was like, no, you get what you get and you're going to be satisfied. That's just the reality. And so Paul is applying this to the church. He's, a, he's, he's being specific. He's like, listen, this has been from the beginning since the wilderness, how God has done things. It hasn't changed since Jesus and since the church. God still equals things out in a matter of satisfaction and availability of things. And so his point was that physical provision will come, like some will have more, some will have less. Like, again, the goal is not to make everyone have the same amount of stuff. There's a recognition, some will have more, some will have less, but God will give and provide according to each one's needs. That's the point that he's getting at. So when we give and we partake in giving, and I'll just use money because it's just the easiest example, or food, flaky things, right? So when we give, we're providing for the needs of someone, right? Giving inherently is providing for somebody for something that they need, right? That's why we give. That's why we serve. That's why we do stuff and labor for each other because there's a need and we need to fill the need and so we do it. But in the same action of giving, what God does is he then, like we are exercising a faith to supply, like God is going to supply the need according to me, according to my needs at the same time. Not in the same moment, but God is recognizing, hey, I know your needs. I know what you need and I will provide provision according to your needs. And as you give, you are being my hands to provide for someone else's need according to the provision of their need. So as you can see, this equals everything out. God is providing for everybody by using the church. And this is why in Acts chapter 4, when Luke is writing, he could say no one had a need because the people that gave, they were giving out of their means and their willingness to give supplying the needs of others while God, and they trusted that God would then provide for their needs through the same means. Does that make sense? It really cycled and God just made it grow. And we look in, chapter, in the book of Acts, the church grew abundantly and quickly. It was really rapid. And I think a lot of it was due to the fact that they saw each other as one unit, as one body. And so in the same way as we nourish our body, body in these same ways, God has just orchestrated his church to be nourished in the same way. And so these are three principles that I think apply to biblical giving, no matter what giving we're doing. But how can we be encouraged and challenged to excel in our giving, whatever that looks like? Because that's Paul's encouragement to the Corinthians. He says, excel in your giving. Meaning, get really, really good at doing this. Get good at doing like excel in this gift of grace. And so for some of us, maybe, and this is like, I have been in this place before, where like some of us, we, we read these things, we look at these things, and maybe we even feel like shame and insecurity because maybe we just feel like what we give, whatever that is, isn't enough. 
Like maybe we do this terrible habit as humans as comparing ourselves to other people, right? Who has ever compared themselves to another person and it was not fun, right? Yeah, it's terrible. I don't, we do it as humans and it's terrible. When we are thinking about giving and things like that, we tend to do this. We tend to compare ourselves to what the early church was doing. I'm not giving my house, so is my giving as good as that? Right now is not a good time, so I can't give as much as I used to. Like, I feel shame and insecurity about this. I'm not serving as much as I used to, whatever the case. Like, what do we do with that shame and with that insecurity? Like, is God disappointed in us or disappointed? Like, no, he's not. The encouragement for you is, do you have an eagerness to give? Like a self-analysis kind of thing that we should do is ask the question, do you have an eagerness to partake in the grace of giving, whatever that is, and whatever that looks like for you? Do you have an eagerness for it? Do you have and see in yourself an opportunity to? Are there opportunities to give in whatever capacity? If yes to these two things, Paul's encouragement is this. Whatever you give is, is seen as rich in the eyes of Christ if done with the good motives. If done with the right motive, a penny is rich to Christ. Whatever it is that you are giving, if it is done with the right motive, it's done well for Christ, and Christ sees it as a rich, of riches. And so we can be assured that when we do partake in giving, it's not so much about how much we are giving, it's the fact that we're doing it at all. Right? We are doing it at all. We are partaking in the grace of keeping the church being built up. And then there's some of us, or maybe you're not in that place, but maybe you're in the place of like the Corinthians, where you have a desire to give, and you have a desire to do things, and you have a desire to, you have gifts that you want to use and do all these things, but in your abundance, maybe you have just lost sight of the desire and just haven't brought it to completion yet. Paul's encouragement would be to finish the task. You have the desire, keep it going unto completion. He even says, like, let your readiness to give be matched with your completion of it. And, and that's a satisfying thing. Like when those two things come together, wow, we followed through on this thing. We, we actually started doing this thing. I don't know what it is that you guys would be even thinking about. Like if you have an idea of something or if you have a gift in yourself that you notice that I think I should be doing this to serve my brothers and sisters, but for whatever reason, I don't have the time or whatever reason, blah, 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 the abundance is getting in the way. Finish the task. Paul says finish the task because it would benefit you as you benefit others. And so as we follow in the steps of Christ we, to give, we are quite literally sharing the image of God that God has created us in. We are doing what Christ has done to us. We are giving because Christ has given to us. And so by doing this type of giving and taking it seriously in whatever capacity by by prioritizing it and thinking these are my brothers and sisters in christ these are my this is my body this is this is the body of christ i'm going to give for the nourishment of the body you will then be nourished as a part of the body does that make sense like 
you will be nourished when you give because you're a part of the body too. So this week, let's all read Acts chapter 2 and Romans chapter 12. We looked at kind of glimpses of this, um, but I want us to read the whole chapters because context matters. And it matters for us to know in Acts chapter 2 what the context was. And in Romans chapter 12, when Paul is talking about gifts, what the context is that he's talking about. So let's read that together this week. For prayer, what which one of these principles is hardest for you to apply to your life? Are you more tempted to like base your success in giving on quantity rather than quality? Are you more tempted to not value an equal standing in the body of Christ in terms of uh, provisions and things like that? Or like, do you not see it as a grace? Do you struggle to see it as a grace? Do you still see it as a burden to give? Whatever it is, identify it and ask the Lord for a willingness to, to partake in giving in whatever capacity that is. And for us to do, what is one way you can be generous this week? And as Paul says, excel in the act of grace. Just, just one thing that you can do this week to give to the body of Christ. Whatever that is, I'll leave that up to you. <laughs> Only you can decide on what that is. But I can tell you right now that it will benefit you as you do it. Because you are a part of the, a part of the body. So I'm going to pray and uh, take it from there. Lord, thank you um, just for this, this word of giving. Um, as we consider it, as we consider these principles, Lord, help us to see each other as the body of Christ, as one unit. And that whatever we do to give to the body of Christ, help us to see how you use it for the building up of your church, including us individually. Thank you, Jesus, that you give us the privilege to give of ourselves to each other in matters of giftedness and talents and words and presence and money and resources and all of these things that you have already gifted to us. We are only capable of giving because you have first given to us. We don't own anything. Our words are even not our own. You've created our body. Lord, you have given us every opportunity to give back to you and to those in the body of Christ. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see a value in this as the early church did and help us to take it seriously in the sense of let us be encouraged that this is your calling for us to, to give in the way of grace, to act in grace, and to give the things that you have gifted us for the benefit of your body. And so we thank you, Jesus. We say all of this in your mighty name. Amen. Hey everyone, Pastor Sam here. Thanks for joining us for a Sunday sermon. If you're interested in more of the sermons from this series or some of our past sermon series that we've done, you can find them at discovercommunity.org under the sermon file. Uh, otherwise, you can subscribe to this channel to make sure you stay up to date on all our content. Thanks for joining us.